0: hello everybody and welcome to the blizzard watch podcast uh where we talk about blizzard entertainment and its many games i'm your host matt rossi with me this week's my fantastic co-host joe perez uh joe the alpha got announced this week for yes. world of warcraft shadowlands and they also have heroes of the storms got their ptr for their big event the uh, fragments of the dark nexus event is happening right now uh and Hearthstone's got its Ashes of Outland expansion out right now, as we're recording this. It came out today, so yeah, big day for Blizzard, big big week for Blizzard. Um, one of the things we've been talking about because you know they posted all their 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 whole thing about class changes and so forth today.
1: Did you get a chance to look at any of them? I did actually. I was I was going through the uh, the shaman stuff in particular because well, I'm a shaman fanboy and uh, yeah, I've I've actually been tweeting about it from the time I got home from work, uh, with uh, excitement. Actually,
0: what, what's your feelings?
1: The, okay, so part of me is really selfishly wanting to gloat a little bit, but also I made the realization that I finally got something I've been asking for, particularly for Resto Shaman since Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, in particular, for me, the big there there are a bunch of highlights. Uh, But the big one for me is that now Shaman are finally going to have a single target healing cooldown, something that we have never had before on the Resto side of the house. Uh, And that's absolutely amazing. And it is exactly what I asked for, which was something that takes a few charges of Earth Shield, which is now baseline for everybody in Resto. It's no longer a talent choice, which is also something I asked for, uh, particularly the battle for Azeroth. And uh, you just take some of those charges, It the cooldown consumes a few of them, and uh, it does a decent amount of healing to the single target and the targets, like the, the healing targets closest to that particular target. That's what I've been asking for forever. And it was like this beautiful moment of triumph. And yes, this is all still very, very early, but oh man, it felt good to see that in writing. Whew.
0: How is that actually going to work?
1: So, you it it's Earth Shield like normal. You pick a target, uh, you put it on it, and when you use the cooldown, it takes X amount of charges from what's left of Earth Shield, immediately consumes them. It's called Surge of the Earth, um, and it's a talent, and it expends just a handful of them to significantly heal that particular target and then operate as a small AoE splash around them. Uh, it's, I mean... It's really, really cool, and it's also really, really great because there are a lot of fights that have some weird spiky moments, and having something that lets you deal with that on a small cooldown or even a large cooldown if it's significant enough is fantastic for keeping tanks alive, especially if you're used to smaller groups and especially if you're looking to run, like, Mythic plus Dungeons or the equivalent therein. Like, it's a massive win for, for Restoration Shaman.
0: Okay, I think one thing we should talk about about Shamans before we move on to Warriors is that they got rid of Maelstrom for both yes. Elemental and Enhancement Shamans.
1: Oh, that
0: was so happy for me. Like, I... I'll i be up front. I don't think Maelstrom was bad at all for Enhancement. I, I thought it worked it worked fine for Enhancement. I, I remember playing it back in... It started way back. We've had Maelstrom for a while for
1: Enhancement. Capitalism, but, I think, right?
0: Uh, maybe even earlier. But I'm not hundred percent on this. but I will say that I think it's it was always a terrible fit for Elemental. like it didn't make any sense. I think even they when they're talking about why they did it, they're talking about how it, it's a builder spender thing mm-hmm. and it felt weird to build up all of this resource to hit earth sh- Earth shock and have Earth Shock do almost nothing.
1: Yeah, and- it felt really strange. Well, it wasn't even that it was strange. It didn't feel rewarding. And and that's something I commented on, especially after I played a warrior for a little bit. Like that was a eye opening experience because I wasn't I was very lukewarm at best on Maelstrom, especially for Elemental, until I really sat down and started playing a warrior because as a resource building, resource spending class, I think warriors feel very satisfying. And this is from somebody yeah. who has really should- played them as long as you don't really
0: compare your dps because
1: warrior dps is all
0: over the place it it can be really good it can be really bad but if you're not talking about that if you're just talking about how it feels to play it then yeah i think fury in particular feels amazing yeah when you hit rampage you hit rampage that feels like an an event but yeah i I agree with you that for again for enhancement i wasn't as negative as other people are but i don't mean an element i don't main and elemental or enhancement shaman or even play one as, a, as a, a high level alt anymore and maelstrom is a big part of why i stopped because it was a very i remember a long time ago now greg street ghost crawler back when he was still working on world of warcraft had made a point that feedback we use words like fiddly doesn't really help them yep because they don't know what it is it's not but, quantifiable But the problem is, is that I can't give you better feedback than this feels overly elaborate for no real point. Like I used to be able to do this without having to jump through this hoop. And now that I have to jump through the hoop, I'm not getting anything extra for it. The hoop you have created, it's a very complicated hoop too. But yeah, it's just really nuts.
1: And. There, no, it's not the only change that's coming either, and I, I'm just excited about it, and I'm going to be writing a piece on it for the site very, very, very soon. Uh, but it's not just the individual spec stuff that's great, uh, but the baseline general changes for the class are also looking really, really good as well. So, like, well,
0: since we're talking about that, um, I'm going to jump into warriors here for a sure. second. Because this is the thing that I found most interesting, and I am going to be writing about it, but I fear I can talk about it now. Um, They've added execute, hamstring, ignore pains, shield block, shield slam, slam, spell reflection, and whirlwind to all warriors, regardless Mm -hmm. of their active specialization. Furthermore, challenging shout and intervene are returning, and all warriors can use them to turn the tide of battle. And shattering throw is also bad back as a new twist. It deals devastating damage against foes protected by an absorption shield. So Warriors have a way to pop absorption shields now, um, which I think is freaking amazing. Um, They also gave us Double Time and War Machine as talents that all specs can use. I I still don't know how that's going to play out, but I do know one thing. This move is the return of off-spec tanks for Warriors. Yep. Because if you played in Vanilla, or if you've played WoW Classic, almost nobody is a protection-spec Warrior tank back then and the ones you had would be like the main tank of a raid group Not, e- and you'd have five or six warrior tanks but in your 40 man but only one of them or maybe two of them were prod the second one was usually not getting to do a lot either uh, because you know it was you couldn't just switch a spec if you wanted to switch a spec you had to go back into town to re-spec none of this okay I'm going to switch to my off spec no you literally had to pay them money to do that um. So I think this is interesting. I, I this, this move is definitely along the lines of trying to make it viable to throw on a shield and taunt something and hold it as long as you can for whatever reason. Um I remember
1: I think current current raid tier is the reason.
0: Well, I mean, that's it's certainly possible. I mean, for, for in terms of the emergency tanking option, yeah, I don't think current raid tier requires that many tanks.
1: I I would disagree. And, and so there are a lot of encounters over the last couple raids, uh, the uh, Eternal Palace in particular, uh, and Desaralor to a lesser extent, but. Like, right now, as we're going through Nyalatha, there are a lot of instances where having an off-tank actually make a difference. And we've we've taken to, like, my group has been doing that with a Feral Druid Spectrum to Guardian Affinity so that they could actually go into Bear and do some off-tanking things. But Warriors haven't been able to do something like that in forever. And oh, that's true. And it, but I,
0: I don't think it's I, I do think it's interesting to see that because it, it's like I said you know there was a time where like warriors could just tank in any spec and maybe weren't the best at it mm-hmm. but it was good enough for like I I tanked all of classic of original I should say because I wasn't I don't play well classic but I was I tanked all of vanilla as a fury warrior and when I say all of I mean up to like um what's his name the dragon and max the ice dragon
1: Oh, <sighs> um... Saffron.
0: Yes. I tanked Saffron as a Fury Warrior. And it, it really didn't matter. It honestly didn't. There wasn't really... Part of that was the, the problem with that was that prop wasn't very good. And that's just the way it was. But the other problem with it was very much... I mean, it was... You could do it. And they haven't really been able to do it for a long time. I'm actually curious what they're going to do about threat. Because they got rid of defensive stance... And, and you know berserker stance and you all just have one stance. It just
1: warriors are just warriors now. There's no stances anymore. Well, they baked it, they baked it into the choosing of the specialization, right? Like that was their big yeah, thing for well, the threat generation. If
0: you're if you're trying to tank as a if you're trying to tank as an arms warrior, you're going to need help.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. Uh, it's also it'll be interesting to see how it works with the other kits too, because. I think we're starting to get to a point with just looking at the general class changes. I don't want to say it's like they're attempting to return to form a little bit, but back in the days of off tanks, there was a certain amount of assistance built into the rest of the classes in order to help facilitate that, whether it was threat drops, uh, you know, redirecting with hunters and things like that, uh, or you know, a cooldown or something for the off tank to generate slightly more threat to stay ahead of everybody else. So I'm wondering if they're going to start to do that a little bit and looking at some of the other changes that they're making with a bunch of the other classes, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm okay with Oh, God, okay I hope they that. don't do
0: that. No, no, I'm not. Absolutely not. Anytime you have to depend on another class to use a threat wipe or to give you a threat assist, they won't do it. And then they will blame you. So no, that's a terrible idea. If we're back to the days where I require a, a rogue or a hunter to misdirect to me so that I can keep ahead of everybody, nope. Bad, bad design. Terrible design. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to see what they do. I do think it's really fascinating to me to see how they've changed Like all that stuff coming back. Um, Arms Warriors are now getting Piercing Howl, uh, which is just amazing to me. They've redesigned Cleaves so that it applies deep wounds to everybody in front of you. Um, Dreadnought will now apply you know how if you're a warrior who you've been using the the set that the uh Azerite power that basically makes overpower worth using they're baking that into dreadnought which i thought they were i'm not surprised to see azurite trades get baked in i in fact would have expected to see more but the seismic wave azurite trade is being baked into dreadnought so that's interesting um i was looking at there's some really interesting stuff but some of it's kind of confusing. There's like warriors will be able to learn to learn onslaught in which an enraged warrior's brutal an enraged warrior brutally attacks an enemy for a large amount of damage and generates some rage isn't that rampage like what what's the difference i don't i hope they didn't get rid of rampage rampage is amazing please t- tell me we still have rampage but overall i mean this is really interesting stuff for me to look at the protection changes are all basically just talents they're otherwise leaving protection pretty much alone it feels like they really decided warriors don't feel like warriors if they're not like you, if you're if you're an arms warrior that's all you are now. If you're a fury warrior, that's it. You, you the, the idea of a fury warrior throwing out a shield and taunting something to hold it until you can get somebody res, forget it. That fury warrior is going to be dead in two seconds. He's got nothing to keep him up. He's just going to die. Um, the, at least if an arms warrior does it, they can immediately hit die by the sword. And they have a few seconds of just parrying everything. But if, an, if a Fury Warrior does it, they're dead. They're, they're not going to stay up. For, well, the only thing they could possibly do to stay alive is taunt heroic leap as far away from the boss as they can and wait for it to run over and kill them. Well, maybe. that's, that's it. And that's these changes will definitely get rid of that. Yeah. And I you think will, that's you'll actually have a toolkit now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about that.
1: Well, and that, and that goes back to some of the other general changes, like with the Shaman stuff as well, like the fact that Chain heal. Uh, is like becoming a baseline spell, healing stream totem becoming a baseline spell for all specs. Um, you know, starting to see those come back is kind of huge because now off healing can be a little bit better as well. And that's something like we're talking about off tanks. Talking about off-healing is is something that we used to do back in the day, too. We used to sometimes have to have somebody step, like like you said, long enough to get somebody rezzed or long enough to help that that off-tank stay alive just a little bit longer. And giving Healing Stream Totem, which is a smart heal, and Chain Heal, which is another smart heal, to just every spec in that class it means that Elemental Shaman, that that Enhancement Shaman, can sit there and help out with that load a little bit more. Um, uh, conversely like seeing things like lightning shield frost shock and, and flame shock becoming baseline to every single class is fantastic or every single spe- spec spec uh, for shaman is fantastic as well uh, and the fact that searing totem is coming back is exciting because they're giving us a totem back instead of taking one away go figure but well, at
0: this point we've got, fl- we've got healing stream totem and searing totem coming back
1: well he, for, healing stream totem every, never left every, but every it's out with every spec yeah
0: so that's interesting. Also, uh, I've actually been looking, like for instance, just for to pick a class that isn't warriors, and it's warlocks because it's right above warriors. So it was easy to scroll to. Uh, they're getting a bunch of curses back for yes. all specs. Um, I'll, I'll read the list. If you're a warlock, you're going to have Curse of Tongues, Curse of Recklessness, Curse of Weakness, and Curse of Doom. All warlocks. That's not limited to any particular spec. Uh, also, Demonic Circle apparently is all warlocks now. And there's a new talent it's called Tongue Tide that empowers spells lobbed at targets suffering from Curse of Tongues, causing them to seal the victim from receiving healing effects, forcing them to succumb to all incoming damage for a moderate amount of time. I don't know why that's going to work, but it sounds fascinating. Um, it doesn't say what... It, it's, it's in the general changes, so I'm assuming that talent is for all three specs. Um, I don't know how good it will be, but it's, it's interesting and different. Uh, you got anything that's not shaman or warriors or warlocks that, that you noticed?
1: Uh, I noticed that they're actually trying to give hunters a little bit of a, a flavor upgrade, too, which I thought was was interesting. Um, general changes, uh, arcane shot, eyes of the beast, hunters mark, kill shot, scare beast, and tranquilizing shot are all uh, baseline, regardless of specialization, which is fantastic, particularly kill shot and tranquilizing shot, because those are things that, again, can make a big difference, especially in smaller groups. Having the ability to to either execute or or do a little bit extra damage at particular circumstances, but also tranquilizing shot removing enrages is massively huge in certain dungeons. Uh, but like beast mastery has a thing now where uh, right. after beast beastial wrath ends, depending on if you use a uh, venomous bite, however many times you use it gives you a Another animal companion for a duration. It literally summons a snake, and however many times you used that ability increases the power of that particular snake companion, which is a weird, cool flavor thing for hunters. Which I think is just absolutely fantastic. Like I'm a I my my hunter is mainly beast mastery. That's a cool little flavor thing. Um, you have new things like binding shackles which is uh causes enemies this is for marksman uh to become rooted by their uh their baseline binding shot to deal less damage to the hunter for a short duration of the time that's perfect for soloing and kiting uh like they're it looks like they're actually I don't want to say they're they're starting to really care about the class fantasy but it's like it almost feels like they're looking at what makes these classes fun and iconic again something that they we've been waiting for for a while and it's I think they tried the to do
0: that. They tried to do that in Legion, but the problem with Legion was that was a ton of other stuff happening at the same time. So yeah, uh, will, I'm going to make paladins possibly upset, depending on when you started playing a paladin. I think at this point, uh, a lot of paladins who came in after Wrath will never know that this wasn't always the case. But holy power is not going anywhere. They're I know not a lot getting of them the upset about <laughs> No, uh, some paladins hate holy power. They do not like the getting and spending aspect of holy power, they they call it uh combo points light. And there's a certain degree of validity to that. Um I, I actually like my Ret paladin because she's dark iron and she looks really cool when she does things. But what what you will be getting, um I will I will break this out for you, you're gonna get this is for every spec, <clears throat> blessing of sacrifice, hammer of wrath, sense undead, shield of the righteous, turn evil, and word of glory. So now your paladin will be able to become evil, just like Arthas. You're gonna have that moment where you you know you get angry <laughs> enough, you hit the turn evil button, and you'll come, you know, death knight. I assume. I don't know.
1: You just you just you hit the button and then you just murder a town of villagers, I guess. <laughs> ah! I
0: don't know. I just always like that. It's called turn evil. <laughs> no, don't hit that button. Oh no, the paladin's evil, man.
1: Well, they can't call it turn undead because it does more than that. But well, it- if,
0: if it turned undead,
1: you would just turn undead.
0: You're like, oh, no, I rerolled horde. That's what I wanted. No, but um, seriously, they they are doing holy power for every for every spec. Every spec will have holy power. Every spec will use um, it's for attacks and defenses and all sorts of stuff. Well,
1: not only they're that, they're not but, getting rid of it. But okay, so like I know some people are upset about that, but paladins rejoice! Crusader and devotion aura are going to be baseline all paladin specs. That's huge, yep.
0: huge. They're also getting a redesign to Rhett at Aura. That's also going to be, uh, base spec to all paladins. It's not just Brett paladins. Um, there's also a bunch of talent stuff, but in general, I mean, I'm looking So far, I've been looking at classes that I, I understand. I, I will flat out admit, but you're seeing this for a lot of different classes. I'm looking at them. Now you keep seeing abilities that were taken and made limited to one spec are being spaced out. They're being given to everybody. Um, I don't necessarily... Hunters don't really... No, here they are, several for Hunters. All Hunters are getting Arcane Shot, Eyes of the Beast, Hunters, Mark blah, blah. So that seems to be... The real change here ultimately seems to be that just about every class is getting their abilities that used to be for all the, for everyone who plays that class. There's like... I don't know exactly how to put this, but the way I'm looking at it now is essentially they're saying what abilities say Warrior and not spec
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What they're,
0: warriors say? What, what what abilities say? I am a shaman, not I am an enhancement shaman. Just I am a shaman. Same thing and, with death knights too. Yeah, with all of them that I've yeah. seen so far, the rogue ones absolutely.
1: Yeah, like I I think you're absolutely right. Like looking at what they're doing with like, and I'm just throwing death knights out there because I thought it was cool. Like everybody can do lichborn, everybody can do sacrificial pact, uh, everybody can raise dead again. Uh, death and decay now has uh you know, a, a particular flavor to it. That's, you know, like I'm, I've been playing my frost death Knight, and I don't have frost death in the game anymore, which makes me sad. And in, in live game, I, w- I would like more of it, please. It's fun. uh. But like they're, they're looking at what makes them iconic. All these classics feel iconic and heavy and, and purposeful, heavy in a good way. Like they, they have weight again. They're not just fluffy shells and they're putting it back in the game. and, it, it I, At first glance, like, we haven't played it yet. We don't know yet. And this, like, you know, none of us are, are in the alpha. At least I'm not. And I don't think anybody else is yet, which is fine. But it looks like they want us to have fun. And that's what it feels like. It feels like it's going to be fun to play a shaman again. It's going to be fun to play a death knight. It's going to be fun to play a hunter because it's going to feel like those classes instead of just generic fantasy class number seven. And that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Okay, I feel like we've talked about this probably yeah. <laughs> as much as we need to. Um, we could. There's more. There's a whole, whole huge info dump about uh, the adult Shadowlands Alpha stuff we're gonna see, stuff we're gonna see eventually. They're changing PvP. They're you know bringing back PvP vendors, for instance, uh, stuff like that. But I mean, we've been talking about it for how long now? That was a solid
1: 25 uh, half minutes. hour almost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Um, I feel like for the Heroes of the Storm PTR, basically it's a bunch of cool skins and stuff. If you like Heroes of the Storm,
1: yeah, it'll be cool. I don't really know if you've... Did you bother looking at any of them? I did, but the problem is I have... And and this is something I'll say right now. Heroes of the Storm is definitely a game you can tell is in maintenance mode. Because it doesn't feel as important as some of the other updates were.
0: Well, too. I I, I don't think that's disputable. I'm not... Trying to argue that Heroes of the Storm is especially cutting edge in terms of Blizzard's, you know, interest in it, but I like the new Deathwing model, for example. Yeah, I like and the.
1: Uh, I like that particularly. Like the uh, the white and blue versions of it was really yeah. cool.
0: I just, quite frankly, I think the Deathwing is the coolest thing they ever did, and they should have done him way sooner. Um, but yeah, it's it's neat to see a lot of this stuff. Um, but it is very much not a game that feels tremendously like it's it, it's on the cutting edge of its development or anything like that. Um, that being said, I do really like I just thought every skin here looks cool. Um, there's some awesome new mounts. That, that, that
1: very drust looking mount, I want it, and I want it yeah. in WoW.
0: <laughs> That's true. It would really look nice in WoW. Um, but th- it's just yeah, I, I, I don't I'm not disputing. Like, I don't know what the heck a Nexus Beast even is, but okay, we could probably have had that in WoW. Um, various Nexus Beasts. Sadistic Dark Nexus Gul'dan. Yeah, because Gul'dan needed the help, guys. Uh, there's a guy who just was holding back. Uh, but yeah, that—that's. I, I don't feel like there's a lot to say about Heroes of the Storm other than, yeah, they're doing a Fragments of the Dark Nexus thing. It's on the PTR now. You can totally look at it. Uh, also... Um, there's the Hearthstone Ashes of Outland event that went live today. That's the expansion. It's it's out now. Uh I don't play
1: Hearthstone. I don't do you play Hearthstone, Joe? I haven't in a while. I've been living vicariously by watching Ted when he streams.
0: We're gonna have to get Ted on the show at some point so he can talk about Hearthstone for people and finally we'll have a show where someone says, you know, Hearthstone and then doesn't go, I don't play it. Um because that <laughs> feels it feels kinda sucky. But yeah, that, that that went on this week as well. So yeah, there's a lot going on for Blizzard. But at this point, I think we're going to move on to do them emails that we do. There weren't a super huge amount of those. So I'm going to point out to you guys again, uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcasts at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast at Blizzard Watch. Or if you'd just like to ask us a question via some other method, you can use Discord. Uh, we have a patron Q and podcast question channel on our the Blizzard Watch Discord and if you're a patron, you can go use that to ask us questions as well. Um, we, we do. I checked this week, and there were all the questions were for Laura Watch. I considered stealing one anyway, but I didn't because I'm a good person. Um, so, yeah.
1: Uh, Joe, do you not mind? I do not mind at all. Uh, hello, Joe and Matt, waving to Anne in the distance. Questions from Salmus, the alchemical rogue. BFA added several kinds of content that come with a ticking timer. The first one was island expeditions. The second one was horrific visions. There may be more, but those are the ones that come to my mind. For me, timers add a level of stress that is unwelcome and far less enjoyable. Much of my enjoyment comes from exploring an area and interacting with what is there, allowing me to ask what the lore implications are of what I find, Uh, period. Island expeditions quickly became exactly the same, no matter what the island was or what the mobs were. I find I just don't want to do them because of the stress and sameness of my experience. Horrific visions are only now becoming fun for me to stealthily explore now that my cloak is level 12, and my sanity doesn't immediately drain away. My questions are, is there a design opposition between timers and exploration that creates a problem in the core gameplay of World of Warcraft for you? Do you find the inclusion of timer adds or detracts from your fun overall in the game? Are there aspects of the game that you find more fun now that timers are active? I welcome your input and thoughts about this. Thank you for enriching my life and story. So I'll miss out. Well, first you're welcome. And thanks for your continued support. I'll let you go first with these, Matt. What do you, what do you think? What do you think of timers?
0: I've never really been a big fan of timers. Uh, I, I don't, I like the horrific visions, but at the same time, I don't find them tremendously compelling content. Although my real problem with the horrific visions is absolutely not the timer. It's the penalty for failure. Uh, I think that failure shouldn't cost you, you know, Weeks. if you fail, that's it. You, you spent your, your thing. It's done. You, if you don't have one left, you can't go back in. There's a lot of stuff about that. I don't like, I feel like, when looking at what horrific visions have to teach us for the future, one of the things they're going to teach us is that you don't want to make this kind of content, something that you can't just do. I think the concern was to a certain degree that they were afraid people would literally just park themselves in horrific vision and just go and go and go and go and go try to farm gear out of it, try and get better and better and better and just do nothing but that until they Mm -hmm. were absolutely sick of them. And I get that concern and I understand why that concern exists. But I think to a certain degree, that's almost okay. Like, I don't know. I I, I feel like Torcast needs to learn from this. But in terms of timers, since you mentioned timers, both in Horrific Visions and in Island Expeditions, <sighs> some things, I, I feel like there's ways to have things that have end conditions and that won't just go forever without a timer. Um, I think Warfronts are a good example of this. I know everybody hates Warfronts. I don't hate Warfronts. I like them. But like them or hate them, one of the things about Warfronts is a Warfront has an end goal, and it ends when you get to the end goal. So instead of it you have 15 minutes to finish this, good luck, uh, you can get more time if you do X or – you because know, that's what horrific visions are, right? Yeah. Horrific visions, the sanity mechanic is – it's the timer is based on how much sanity you're losing, and you can extend it out – and you can get various ways to get more sanity, and you can lose sanity slower. So you can offend. There's various things you can do to that timer, but it is ultimately a timer. The thing with the warfronts is there's no timer. The warfront could theoretically last forever if everybody in it didn't feel like finishing it, and that that's yet yeah, that almost never happens. I've never done a warfront where people were like, "Yeah, let's just hang out here. Yeah, it's great. Right. Let's just live forever in in See? Alterac.
1: And I, and I have, though. I've had warfronts where people have been farming things or looking for specific things and don't want to move the warfront forward. And I don't know if that was just an early experience because before they understood, like, rare timers or things like that in the warfronts, because when you're in a warfront, there are still rares that pop up. Uh, so I don't know if it was just something that the mechanic wasn't fully understood and people wanted to sort of camp it out. Um, but I'm the opposite of you, I think, in that regard. I think... I mean, I agree that I think there's a balance point, but I don't mind timers depending on what they're applied to. Um, I would rather have a timer, like an actual timer that says you have X amount of minutes to finish this, than something like uh, the Horrific Vision sanity deep like decrease or, or draining, uh, because the Horrific Vision sometimes feels out of control with something that you should have more control over and it just sometimes feels really bad. Whereas if I know I only have 10 minutes, I only have 10 minutes. There's, I don't have to worry about, am I doing everything exactly right to be the most efficient or get it out of this? Um, it, It's a see, weird, it's a weird mixed bag for me. Like, I don't see how that works for you. I gotta be honest. Knowing I only have 10 minutes
0: means that I, in fact, do have to be as efficient as possible. That's. That's I think it's exactly just, what it triggers in me is that yeah, you know, I think it's I'm not doing it efficiently thing. enough. I'm not doing it efficiently enough. I'm, I'm look, five minutes are already gone. You now that, that would be what that does for me. I, but you know, I, like I said, I, I do feel like I don't feel like timers are an inherently bad thing to do, but I do think that they are the kind of thing that when you do them, that there needs to be, if you're going to have a mechanic like sanity sanity to my mind has too many different ways you can extend and reset it and that gets kind of uh, like it gets kind of complex after a while like he mentioned this uh i'm sorry Salmus. I, I can't i'm not sure if Salmus is your name like i don't know how to pronounce it but one of the things you said was that you know now that your cloak is up to level 12 you're not as worried about it because you can take your time before your sanity takes down and between that and the titan research and, uh, you know, the, the the globes you can summon that give you more sanity and you can hit the thing on your cloak to just make it so you don't lose sanity. It, it's like, c- could we scale that back? I feel like there's like five different things I could possibly do to reset. Eventually, effectively, there's five different things you can do to reset the timer. And that's weird to me. Like, I feel like what at what point do we need a timer if the timer is going to basically have so many different ways it can be reset and slowed down? It's like, it, like imagine if you were like playing a game and it was like you know then you've got 50 minutes to complete it unless you have the magic basketball then it's 30 minutes. Like why why does the game change when you had a basketball? Why does the magic basketball make this basketball game take longer? Yeah. You no, know, th- I don't think it's bad to have a timer, and I don't necessarily think that the uh, horrific visions is doing it wrong. I just feel like it's
1: very involved. I, I think so too. Uh, and to go back to the root of the the question, I think. There is a sort of design philosophy. uh, They're at opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Like timers versus exploration will always be at opposite ends of the spectrum. And I like it best when certain things give players the option to choose how they interact with it. So like if you were to have, to me, it's a lot like dungeons, right? And like mythic plus dungeons, when you do a mythic plus dungeon, you're on a very tight timer. It's not meant for you to go exploring. It's not meant for you to worry about the lore of, of that particular instance. Uh, and I, they even stopped adding like extra story things to mythic content and other and other items just to make sure that that's not a a marriage because it doesn't really work in that context. Like a hard, a hardcore timer plus extra story element doesn't generally work. But if you go through a regular dungeon or even a regular mythic, you're fine to take your time. You're fine to explore. Uh, it, it's that's what it's for. Like so, going back to like what what Salmas uh, said about island expeditions, that's a very similar feeling to what I have about them. I thought they were going to be more story focused than what they are from when they were presented, but they just became a time-centric gated thing because you have to compete against the AI in order to complete the task in the same amount of time or or quicker than they do in order to win. And it doesn't really lend itself to exploring those islands because once it's done, that's it. You can't stay. You can't choose to go do more exploration. And there's a lot of cool stuff on those islands. There's a lot of cool things that might have lore implications Uh, there's a lot of weird tiny things on every single one of those locations, but you never have time to explore them all. And it feels weird. It it, like it's a, it's a place where I would rather there be an option of, Hey, you can do this where you have a timer and you're competing or, Hey, you just want to go explore the island and see what's up. Here's a, you know, you don't get a, a big reward or anything like that. Here's just go, just go and explore. Just go see what's where like, like I said, though, I think those two are design elements that sort of unfortunately are opposed to each other.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, Island expeditions were never particularly interesting because it's not like I needed them. Everyone's like, oh, this is the best way to get Azerite, but it's like, are you hurting for Azerite? Like, you I'm know? just doing a couple of world quests. I feel like I'm getting plenty of Azerite. My low level alts are like, got like level 79 and level 80 on that necklace. Like the characters I've barely been playing. I, I don't feel like Azerite's, Azerite's not a draw. Um, the the weird... Island Expeditions and Warfronts both did this, and I think it's strange for both of them. They both basically tried to to do... They did improved AI, and the AI is better.
1: Oh, yeah, and much, I'm not, much better.
0: I'm not arguing that it isn't much better AI. What I'm saying is the use of that much better AI was an attempt to give us a experience that had previously been a player versus player type of experience as a player versus environment experience taking pvp content and making it pve and i don't know how well that worked um i think for island expeditions it didn't work uh and uh, for, for warfronts like i said i like warfronts but i i feel like warfronts are never i don't go into a warfront expecting it to be challenging or even particularly interesting I do like to see the area and and to get the story aspect of it, but I definitely think that you're absolutely right in that there's – at least with Warfronts, when your side gets the area, there's the world quest zone area part yeah, of it. Yeah,
1: like you can go back in a little bit, and while it's it's a little different, you can at least do some exploration, right?
0: Yeah, but with island expeditions, you can't – I honestly feel like it would have been kind of neat if they tried to do some kind of story thing that used those islands – doesn't have to be, like, an expedition. Just imagine if there was, like, a a quest that brought you from island to island, like, looking for, you know, some weird little thing or something.
1: Call it a scouting mission. Call it, like, you know, the the calm before the storm where, you know, both sides are are eventually going to try to take these resources, but before then you have to scout them out and there's no pressure. Like, that would have been cool, something that lets you just kind of go there and and poke around. Because there's a lot of new areas, a lot of new, like, there's a very cool one. There's
0: all these different places. It's interesting to actually get to see them, um, and I've I've heard a couple of like, one of the reasons I stopped doing island expeditions was at least twice I think I lost us the fight because I was busy going oh wow yeah what's the deal with this and same you know, or trying to get that sword <sighs> finally did get that thing but I had to buy it but yeah okay I think basically we've we're we're veering away from the concept of timers I think Joe's dead on though in that there is a certain amount of tension in the game between. This is content that you are just meant to get as good at it as you can versus this is content for you to explore and play in. Um, And I I definitely think there's there's a room for places like Mythic Plus Dungeons where, you know, going in, this is not the place for you to be like, you know, ooh, what's his speech going to be? This is the place where we don't no, go, go, go. We're going to pull them now. We're going to pull them onto the bridge. Okay, another group. We're going to pull them too. That sort of thing, and it, it, it's it's a different experience. If they, you know, imagine if they actually had that for warfronts. Like they tried to do it with heroic warfronts, but it was kind of like too little, too late. But if they actually had a warfront, you know, versus like, here's the exploration warfront versus this is the warfront where you must be rigidly, you know, as good as you possibly can to get through it. I think that that's a different aspect of the of the game, and it, it can work it just feels like it's not for you and that's fine. Uh, I don't, I think to me for a certain degree, I don't know if I'm all that into time content either.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, and it's not the expectation that everything has to be for everybody. There's always going to be things that certain people like and don't like. Um, It's just, it time content is interesting to me in the regards of it feels like the one thing that isn't a balanced player experience versus the rest of the game. Like, I don't know. It's, it's odd to me, but I think, I think hopefully that answers your question. Salmas, uh, we can always talk about it again if there's more that you want us to unravel. Our next one comes from Easy Target, our troll hunter friend on Alderman. Hi Watchers, time walking Timeless Isle. That's it. That's all he says. What do you think? Do you want to go back to the Timeless Isle as time walking at level content, quote unquote? Well, he does talk more about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Slightly more verbose version. When you put the name under there like that, it throws it off. Uh, slightly more ver- verbose version. Instance or just scale the aisle every once in a while. Have a random raid boss in the central pit weekly uh, Weekly dungeon gear. 50 or so time walking badges per week and maybe a flask or potion for current spec. Ordos could drop wear mounts with a disgustingly low drop rate. No coining him. And he is just a punching bag mostly. Every major patch, a new toy or something. with. Thinking this in the mail truck today Blizzard seems to have gone big With time walking why not go the whole hog With an aisle that was Well received Mm, Time frogs Time frogs okay sure I don't know what what do you think I can think of places
0: I'd rather go with time walking Than the timeless isle I wasn't all that happy with going to the timeless isle When the timeless isle was current In fact they used to call it Le Le, Le des sans Tim Which is the the Timless isle because it's like <laughs> I don't like it. The Timless Isle, the Isle without Tim. There's no Tim here, and there is no Tim. Go to Timless Isle, and find a Tim. Can't do it. No Tims. Um, not a single, not a single Tim. It just nope. Not even Tim Hortons. There's no Tim Hortons on the Isle of uh, the well, Isle. I can't Isle. go there then. I can't yeah, go there nope. without Tim Hortons. No. But uh, I just it, uh, not not that charged up on the Timeless Isle. For one thing, Ordos is there, and I don't like Ordos. I like think I've established why I don't like Ordos enough. I don't have to belabor it. But yes, yeah, so Ordos, not my friend. Uh, but I mean, it's nothing wrong with your idea. Um, certainly, you know, a, a place where, you know, bringing in more content that's not just, you know, this raid or this dungeon would certainly be interesting. Um, I've always thought, one of the things I thought when they, they announced Wild Classic, one of the things I actually thought was a little disappointing about it was that they didn't then take all those assets. And create like a timeless Azeroth out of them. Like, we've now got a version of Westfall that works in the current WoW system. Why not just let people go back to it? They can take their level 120 character and go back to Westfall before Deathwing or, you know, Razor Hill before Deathwing, if that's sort your of thing. I don't, does anyone want to go to Razor Hill? I mean, come on, guys. But, you know what I'm saying? Just pre Cataclysm, you know, Azeroth. Let people go there. Let it be that timeless Azeroth. Boom. You know? I don't know if people would do it. I don't know if they've had any interest in it, but I've always been surprised they haven't tried to do that kind of thing. Could the Timeless Isle work for that? Sure. It could be something cool. I don't like I said, my problem is I don't like the Timeless Isle.
1: Yeah, I'm not the largest fan of the Timeless Isle uh as far as content goes in particular. I thought it was it was okay. Uh, I didn't really do it as much as as other people did. I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, and it's not something I would really voluntarily go back and do. But I like the core idea. I like the idea of a place that sort of evolves or changes every so often. Not necessarily like a time-walking thing, but maybe at level it evolves or or it changes and it, it rotates in some manner. Like the idea, the idea of the Timeless Isle was always that it was sort of this thing removed from the stream of time. It never felt like that. It never felt like it was removed from time. It just felt like, yep, here's another island to go to. So maybe spend a little more time like that. Like I remember going to the Caverns of Time for the very first time and looking at a place and being absolutely floored because that felt like a place that was timeless that felt like a place that had all of these, these bits, these these bobs from all over the place that were just sort of mashed together in this one nexus, and it felt like the place was completely removed from the rest of Azeroth. That felt timeless to me. That felt kind of cool and important. And something like that, maybe one week there's, uh, you know, the Hyjal invasion starts bleeding into it, or or maybe we relive some of the classic moments of or iconic moments throughout the history of Azeroth where... You know, maybe it's the Molten Front uh, with the war in Hyjal. Maybe it's, I mean, I don't know. There's so many different random events that could possibly bleed into it that players could have to deal with. They could do something that's really cool and does feel removed from time. It doesn't necessarily have to be the island. And there could be rewards with it. It could be something that drops, you know, some loot or badges or whatever to reward players for going and doing it. And I wouldn't mind something like that. I wouldn't mind something that gives players options and and rotates the content and feels a little bit more mystical than what we got before. Because I think that was always my problem with the Timeless Isle. It didn't feel like a Timeless Isle. And it might be really nitpicky. But, hey, like I said, I love the core of the idea. Maybe we'll get something like it in the future. We can hope. All right, our next one, Greetings Watchers. Now that BFA is wrapped up, it's time to answer the most important question. Who is Azeroth's most eligible bachelor? Flynn Fairwind, Anduin Wrynn, Rathion, Gazel has a lot going for him, and I'm certain Lotharmar and Bane both have fan clubs. And while he might not already be sp- or while he might already be spoken for now, Khadgar is a real silver fox. Follow-up question, do you have any particular ships in WoW? I am personally pulling for Anduin Wrathion, as there is a lot of chemistry there, and Blizzard could afford to have a few more named, non-straight characters in their game. Are there any pairings, plausible or not, that you would like to see happen? This is from Spry Sprocket on Proudmoore US. I don't know, Matt, who, have, who do you, you ship? You Nope, you're going to answer this one first. Nope, go for it. Nope, you. Because I don't know who I ship.
0: I'm not jumping into this landline.
1: <laughs> uh, All right, fine, I'll yeah, do it. yeah. yeah.
0: I don't have any ships in WoW. Uh there are games where I do ship things. Um Cassandra Bazitas forever. But uh I, I don't what I don't know how to put this. Like all the characters I probably would have been interested to see get some kind of relationship going are all dead. Some of them are dead and still moving around.
1: But hey, we but, go to Shadowlands, they could have still have a relationship. Just because you're dead, dead dead might be the new thirty. Who knows? <laughs> okay. But
0: it is seriously not something I think a lot about in World of Warcraft for whatever reason. Uh, I used to kinda of pull for Chandra's and Jared you know, Jared Shadow Song, but then they did that weird thing in the book where like, oh yeah, I vanished for like ten cent ten thousand years. How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. What about you? Yeah, I got married to a temple priestess and yeah, she just died to be I'm a I'm a bachelor I'm a widower now. Okay, I, I've been here for ten thousand years. After we like flirted and all that stuff, I guess you just decided to just take off and marry some other random person. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> like I don't, I don't feel like you do that. That's that's it. That's that's the door. You don't, you don't get to cross through once you've done that. That thing I just said, which it just sounds so ridiculous in the first place, um, and you know, I, I guess. My Shadow Song and Illidan have always kind of been an OTP to me just because, you know, you know, the hate sex would be amazing. But (laughs) in general, it's just not something I do all that much.
1: (laughs) I'm in the same camp. I'm I don't really have ships in WoW. Uh for whatever reason, I, I have ones that I definitely ship in other games. I have other characters that I, you know, if I had two figures of them, I would totally do that thing where I would mash them together and make them kiss and get married and, and whatever, because I'm a huge nerd. I have ships with Transformers. Like, I'm, I, I'm definitely on that camp, but for whatever reason, not with WoW, and I don't understand why. Uh, just nothing has clicked with me for ships. That said, while it's not quite the answer... I've always had a little bit of a crush-love thing going with Lothamar, ever since Siege of Orgrimmar, and listening to him sass the heck out of Sylvanas was one of my happiest moments in-game, and I think I fell in love with him at that point, and if I were to ship anybody with him, it would be my lovely little moose character, because I do like Lothamar. I think he's, I think he's fantastic, and I like the fact that he's getting a little more prominence in, in story, but... I think think that
0: might be one of the problems I have with shipping in WoW, like in terms of why I don't do it. WoW is, for me, it's the story of the characters I play. Yeah, you know what, maybe that's it. And so it's to a certain degree, and that might be unusual for other people. Other people might might very much be, that that might be in fact why some people don't get why I can think Sylvanas Windrunner is evil and still think she's an interesting character. Um, I can think she's an interesting character and yet she's evil because she's not the protagonist. Mm -hmm. I am. My character is so. If I were going to ship anybody, it'd be like my character shipping with Shandra's Feathermoon or whatever, um, which I kind of do. Like I have, I, I like Shandra's a lot. I think she's
1: great. I think she's a uh, great character. Yeah,
0: it depends on the character. My human character, no, absolutely not. But my, my night elf, I can see totally like you know, thinking, you know, one. Do you think Shandra's likes me? Sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but in ter- yeah, I, I think that might be part of the problem. Is so I just you... don't I don't care enough about the characters in WoW. I do care about them, but I don't care enough to like you know. Ooh, Andrew and Rathion, finally! It's like also I'm just gonna say it. Up until fairly recently, Rathion had no interest for me. Mm-hmm. I just heard and gasp. Um, sorry. Uh, but no, seriously, he, he did nothing for me. Uh, up and just you know, up until fairly recently, I did not care. I didn't play a rogue, so I never got to see that quest chain. I've never played a rogue through it. I don't know. I don't have the visceral feeling of it. I know what happens, but I didn't experience it. And he's just never been a character I cared about until also, very recently. He's also like five. Yeah, but he's a dragon. It's already weird. Dragons Still. are weird. And one, one major dragon character wanted to have sex with magic. Literally, Cal, you know, Caligos and Vina. And Vina was the Sunwell. She was literal magic. He wanted to have, he wanted to have a relationship with magic. And when he couldn't have a relationship with magic itself, he went and found Jane of proud.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's was like a, dragons are weird, you got, man.
0: You've you got issues. Calic. That's all I'm saying. You've got issues.
1: Now I'm going to throw this out there and maybe just maybe. And I've heard, I've heard rumblings of people wanting this before. Would you play a Warcraft dating sim with your, if your original character going through, because I, sh- I'm normally not a dating sim person, I would play the hell out of that game. See,
0: here's the thing: in order for me to play a dating sim, it has to disguise itself as a Bioware game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's gonna be my quote of the week.
0: <laughs> but that's what they do. I mean, that's that's like that's been like the Dragon Ages. It's been your your Mass Effects, and then it's been games that are based on them, like Greedfall, and even Knights of the Old. Re- like not Knights of the Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic had that a little bit. Knights of the Old Republic Two had it. Um, the Old Republic has it, which is really weird in the MMO. Like you don't know how strange that is until you try it in an MMO. The Kira Carson relationship, man. You know, that's that's you know if if you, somebody out there right now who plays Star Wars: The Old Republic is like <gasps> Kira and just you know starts staring off into space and dreamy music is playing in the background. So so you could do it and you could do it various ways, but for me, if it's a dating sim, it has it has to disguise itself so that I'm, I'm not spending all my time trying to get birds to pick a girlfriend.
1: Meanwhile, I'm getting uh, excited at the prospect of a dating sim that involves me dating weaponry from a dungeon.
0: Yeah, but that, that, that <laughs> it's got the weaponry and dungeon aspect to
1: it, so exactly. But yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. Sorry, surprise rocket. We're not huge shippers for for a while, unless it's our uh, our original our OCs involved in that mix. Uh, our last question is from Kartal, a torn warrior on Mal, Malfurion US. Uh, and Pride, showing strong. Uh, hello, you magnificent snowmen. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to adapt each of Blizzard's big franchises, Warcraft, Diablo, Starcraft, Overwatch, into tabletop RPG format, how would you do it? What game system would you use? I know D&D, and, well, that's it. But I've always been interested, and you two seem to like to talk about RPGs. So there's a chance to go ham for a while. That might be an understatement that we like RPGs. Whoo! Woo! Go for it, Matt. What-, what the hell are you
0: talking about? I don't play RPGs. <laughs> yeah,
1: we hate um, it. It's not like we yeah. run games or anything.
0: Oh, uh, okay. All right. Uh I haven't really thought about this too much, to be completely honest. I feel like Diablo and Warcraft you could do pretty easily in the ND five E.
1: I think so too, yeah. Uh-
0: I'd actually, like, rather... I'd rather try Pathfinder and see what I can do there, because I, I think Pathfinder 2 is a better system. But I, it's a very crunchy system.
1: I think... I, I was gonna say, I think Diablo would work well with Pathfinder 2 because of the crunch, because it feels yeah. like those two would be married together, right? That, that feels like it would work pretty well. Um,
0: there's also, like, for instance, I, I've still got a fondness in my blood for GURPS. is, like... We were just like, talking about that. <laughs> GURPS is one of those game systems that has never been the best system for anything you know it is it is as it's named it is a generic universal role playing system it's it's generic and universal you have to do a lot of work in gurps to model whatever it is you're trying to model but you can do it and it will you could probably do any of these games with it but it's it's got a lot of fiddliness to it it's got a lot of stuff like you know in order to model this you need a 750 point character uh, I remember one time we were playing garbage and we we did decided to go supers and then we decided we were gonna go like like Grant Morrison Justice League level supers. Um, do you know what the the post crisis late '90s Superman? Do you know how many points you need to really get him?
1: I know five I don't know. I thousand. You do.
0: Five thousand points, because that's what it took to model him out. Um, stuff like, for instance, at one point Superman pushes the moon. To keep it from crashing into the Earth, the moon weighs a lot, guys. And granted, you're not pushing the moon like you know you're not. It's like you're doing a handstand and making the moon not hit the Earth. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, he's doing like." And this worst part is, it was electromagnetic Superman. It wasn't even like our regular Superman. So he did it with magnetism.
1: I was gonna say, uh, Black Black Owl in the uh, chat says uh, that he's only 1,200 in Champions.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it depends on how you do him. Um, if it's even post crisis, yeah, I'd say twelve hundred points in champions. But yeah, that's for Overwatch. Actually, I think for Overwatch, um, you could you could do a really good job with like if you. It, there's a lot of different Powered by the Apocalypse games out there. I
1: yep, I was gonna suggest and, that because of the narrative driven.
0: Yeah, I think Overwatch would work really well as a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Um. I think because it's partially because of the narrative build, the narrative drivenness of it, and partially because Overwatch is about a couple of big abilities, like and they, that's modelable really well with moves, mm-hmm. like your ultimate is your big move and you stuff like that. Um, trying to think for for StarCraft,
1: I have an answer. Uh, I
0: think uh, I was going to say forty k, like the forty k version no. of
1: Warhammer. No, no, it's it's way too crunchy for Mass Combat um okay
0: yeah good point
1: i i've played i mean i've played a lot of of uh the 40k rpg and it's it's really crunchy like the 40k rpg rules would work well for diablo um just because i think if anything they're a little i think they're a little too crunchy for diablo they they, which is saying something um yeah instead i think if you're looking at something like let's say warcraft rts slash uh, uh starcraft the conan rpg from several years ago was probably one of the best mass combat rule systems I had ever seen. And that's what you would want. You'd want something that could handle the massive armies that would be going to war because that's what StarCraft is. That's what the RTS is. It's units of, you know, or groups of units formed together into a basically a battalion and going at it. And I think the Conan RPG, I think I want to say like early 2000s, was literally built for that it had an entire section of the book for it or if you wanted to be more modern there's a new 2d 20 system for conan that also has adapted those rules to try to bring them up a little more modern that would work really well for that in a pinch as well so that would be my my contribution for starcraft i think okay i do you
0: want to talk more about it or are we done i was gonna say which what we should probably head over to the uh, chat if anyone in the chat has anything to say. I was going yeah, to say, get, yeah, to get
1: while we're talking about this, if you have questions in chat, feel free to throw them in there and we'll be more than happy to answer them or at least try to.
0: Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I'm going to say too, there's lots of games that would be interesting to play around with. Like, I mean, the Cypher system could work. Uh, somebody mentioned Champions. There's older versions of d and I just got a copy of Gamma World, the third edition Gamma World rules. Mm-hmm. Which was my favorite version of Game of World. And they used a system very similar to like the hero the uh Marvel Superhero system where every roll was done on a chart. And the TSR, just before they, they got bought out by Wizards of the Coast, suddenly decided they loved big charts. And they had this like couple of systems where you're rolling with your number and against this, and it's just you look on the chart to see where your roll did, whether it was a success or a failure. And it's like on the one hand, this is really interesting, on the other hand, this is super complicated but it does remind me of one game system that I think does a decent job of modeling a whole bunch of different stuff. And it's still D20 based mutants and masterminds.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause you basically like, if you wanted to do like moving to think of Warcraft with the RTS aspects of it, specifically Warcraft three, where you had hero units like the death Knight, the uh, demon hunter, that kind of thing. That's the kind of system that I think mutants and masterminds work really well for. You could you could build the various heroes, and you could do a decent job of it.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree, and that was one of the ones I was considering bringing up as well. I uh, I always liked the system, and I think it would fit well for a bunch of that. So, um, all okay. right, we got questions. We uh, looks like chat does not have any questions for us at this time. Okay, sorry guys. That's okay. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the whole thing that happened at the beginning of the show. I feel like that was my bad. So nah, I think uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed their time here. Uh, Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreoncom slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience.
0: All right, well, thank you very much, Joe. Remember, guys, if you have questions for us, you can ask us in the chat. We're going to do that. We're going to keep looking in the chat. So if you're here live with us, we will look in the chat, and if you've got questions, we will try and pick them up. Uh, you can email us at podcast at com. the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for this show. Uh, or we're going to start stealing questions from the lower watch. I'll do it. I'm crazy. Uh, or you can go to our <laughs> Patreon, and you can go to the Q podcast, questions for patrons that's a channel you can find that and ask questions there as well so yeah thank you guys very much uh for being here and putting up with the technical difficulties at the beginning of the show thank you guys and we will be here next week